Welcome to Love's Last Call with Evangelist Carol Ann of Agape Light Ministries. Please open your hearts to hear an anointed message that will encourage and empower you to walk in the love and light of God's Word. Beloved, as we continue in our current podcast message entitled, Lucifer's One World Religion is Arising. Today I will pick up where I left off in our last message with our coverage of the ecumenical movement, which is playing a major role in the formation of this global Luciferian entity. As the Lord's legitimate children and ambassadors for his inerrant word of truth, it is critical that our eyes be opened more widely to the reality that the church is under fierce attack and apostasy is on the rise. We know by the Holy Scriptures, as confirmed in the book of Revelation, that the last church Jesus addressed, and which would be in operation just before the rapture, followed by the tribulation, and then his second coming, would be a lukewarm and complacent company of people who, while calling him Lord, would be entangled by the riches of this world and its carnal enticements. Surely we see this happening today in insurmountable measure, with only a holy remnant remaining. This sanctified minority continues to believe his word and long for his coming, in refusal to follow or bow their knee to any other but him. As watchmen on the wall, those who have been given Holy Spirit discernment realize that all his prophetic word has promised is surely unfolding before our very eyes, with Israel being held at the center as a cup of trembling to the world. But as current events continue to give warning to the nearness of the time, when the Antichrist will arise and take over the governmental and economic control of all people on earth, which we must and will continue to pay attention to, because they are important precursors to the fulfillment of God's prophetic word. I believe the most important reality that we must take heed to is the already spiritually in place and positioned to soon arise one world religion of the Antichrist, not only in order to guard our own hearts from its persuasive enticements, but so that we, as God's ambassadors of salt and light to a lost and dying world, will remain all the more purposed to contend even more earnestly for the true faith which was once for all delivered to the saints, and which alone will lead the lost to Jesus, the true and only Savior, and the eternal life that he alone can give. And here, allow me to pick up with the Jesus is Savior commentary I began to share with you in our last podcast, entitled, The Modern Apostate Ecumenical Movement, Yoking with Satan in Jesus' Name. Again, I will mention that I will be interjecting additional Holy Spirit expansion of insight along the way. The foundation for the ecumenical trend that we see exploding today has been laid and built upon over many years. We saw the beginning of institutional ecumenism in the 1960s with the World Council of Churches, which is comprised of mostly liberal mainline Protestant denominations who denied such essential doctrines as the inerrancy of scripture and the literal bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ. 
for years, true evangelicals distanced themselves from this institutional ecumenism because of the unsound theology of the groups involved. Today, however, the spirit of compromise has invaded evangelism. The Catholic Evangelical Accord, which was a document signed in 1994, is an example of such compromise. In this concession, evangelicals relinquished essential doctrines such as justification by faith alone and the sufficiency of scripture in order to unite with Roman Catholics on issues such as abortion and school prayers. Some of the evangelical signatories, in addition to its organizer, Charles Colson, included Richard Land of Christian Life Commission of the Southern Baptist Convention and J.I. Packer, a British-born Canadian Christian theologian. The document was also endorsed by other evangelicals, such as Bill Bright of Campus Crusade and Pat Robertson. With such compromise taking place, it becomes obvious that the undiluted preaching from God's word and an authoritative stand on truth are frighteningly on the decline. What we are seeing instead is a broadening of the gospel, a redefining of what it means to be a true Christian, and a growing emphasis on inclusion and tolerance. Ecumenism has come to mean reducing all elements of faith to the lowest common denominator. God's word is neglected. Experience is valued above truth. A false and selfish faith is promoted. And sound doctrine and correction are despised as divisive and unloving. Ignoring the Holy Scriptures, numerous evangelical leaders today claim that a concern for doctrine causes division and therefore should be avoided for the sake of love and unity among the brethren. The Scriptures, however, couldn't be more specific in its opposition to such teaching. In Romans 16:17, we read, Now I beseech you, brethren, to mark them which cause divisions and offenses, contrary to the doctrine which you have learned, and avoid them. Divisions in the true unity of believers in Christ are not caused by standing for the unadulterated word of God, which brings his people together as one in him, in mind, heart, and spirit. But rather they are caused by wolves who enter in with teachings that are contrary to sound doctrine and which scatter the many. Unity in the faith is impossible without the true and unadulterated doctrine of Jesus Christ. Without such a sure foundation, we have no basis for the true faith, for the biblical gospel, for genuinely knowing Jesus the Christ, or for knowing anything pertinent to the truth that alone leads to eternal life. And building on the Jesus the Savior commentary, it is important to understand that since the Garden of Eden, and even before the foundation of the world, Lucifer has had burning in his heart the rebellious desire to draw all men to himself in order to steal their worship from the one and only true God of all creation. And as he works diligently toward this prideful and blasphemous goal, the methods he employs are extremely cunning and deceptive. 
we must remember that he was the anointed cherub who covers and who held the seal of perfection as revealed in chapter 28 of Ezekiel. As such, he was intimately acquainted with heaven's blueprint, and in his high position, he most certainly overheard the plans that were being laid in place by Elohim, and therefore his counterfeits are masterful forgeries. However, they become easily recognized when the main component held within them is discerned. That revealing element is that all these imitations include things about God or are even proclaimed in the name of Jesus. They will always be centered around man and the worldly endeavors he rallies for, such as justice, tolerance, and human dignity. With the exclamation mark standing proudly behind these earthly ambitions, being peace for the planet and happiness for all mankind. This again raises the flag of ecumenism, which, as we have learned, is commonly understood to be the organized attempt to bring about the cooperation and unity of all believers in Christ. However, in truth, it encompasses so much more. For at the heart of its liberal root is held the enemy's intention to unite not only those who consider themselves to be Christian, but also to eventually draw in all other faiths as well, as it yokes itself with sister movements, such as the interfaith objective and others like it. In a commentary written for the Jeremiah Project, entitled, The Emergence of a One-World Religion, keen insight is offered that shows not only the dangers of ecumenism, but also how its methods can be traced back to the Tower of Babel. We will learn that there is a powerful connection between the religious counterfeits that will comprise the Antichrist one-world religion and the organizations and men who will govern his one-world government and economic empire as well. They write, The first attempt to establish a new world order, one-world religion, was by a united humanity of the generations following the Great Flood. Speaking a single language and migrating from the east, who came to the land of Shinar and built the Tower of Babel. The word Bab is the Semitic word for gateway or portal, and El means deity or God. So Babel or Babel means gate or portal to God. These people, under the leadership of Nimrod, great-grandson of Noah, were attempting to unite into a powerful ecumenical force, building their tower as a monument to a human gate of God. Genesis 11:5-9 describes God's reaction to this early attempt of Lucifer to work through the agency of man with the intention of usurping Elohim. And in verse 8, we read, so the Lord scattered them abroad from there over the face of the whole earth, and they stopped building the tower. Babel is the name used in the Hebrew Bible for the city of Babylon and is referenced numerous times in the book of Revelation. While many correctly connect this end-time spiritual Babylon with the Roman church, in the largest context, it will be more fully recognized by an end-time ecumenical religion that will be melded into Roman Catholicism as the hub and comprised of apostate Protestants and other false religions, not the least of which is Islam. And this is where we must pause, beloved. Please join me next time because we have much more to cover. Until then, and as always, I bid you his agape.
You've been listening to Love's Last Call with Evangelist Carol Ann of Agape Light Ministries. If you'd like to receive a CD copy of this message or you have a prayer request, please contact us at Agape Light Ministries, P.O. Box 6313, Chesterfield, Missouri, 63006, or via our website at www.agapelightministries.com. Again, that's www.agapelightministries.com.